here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know it's a slow news day, at least for the media, when they keep focusing on Jeff Sessions and Don McGahn, the president's attorney general and counsel to the president. It's really unbelievable. Um, I'll tell you what else is unbelievable. You've never seen Democrat presidents get this kind of coverage when they're thinking about removing cabinet officials. And you've never seen a Democrat president who felt that he had to relieve a, uh, an attorney general from his or her position, have you? Because what's been done at the Justice Department, again, the more I look at it, is, is very troubling. And why, do the, why does the nation, you know, over half of the people in the country cannot name one Supreme Court justice, not one. Not a single Supreme Court justice. It's over half of the people in the country. And we're supposed to be all worked up about the White House counsel to the president. Will he stay? Will he go? When will he go? Why did he go? I mean, the interesting part is that he spent so much time talking to the prosecutor's office. But honestly, uh, if over 50 percent of the American people don't. Uh, know who's on the Supreme Court. In fact, can't name one justice on the Supreme Court. What is what this endless? It's so weird. The media in this country. It's just so weird what they focus on. It's just. Uh, it, 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 I'll give you another example. I wasn't even going to start with this. Now I'm in the mood to start with this. This sickening race baiting by the left, by the media, by the sports media, by sports figures by uh, Democrats, it's just nauseating, absolutely nauseating. And so Katie Pavlich over there at Town Hall, she pulled together a montage of Democrats talking about monkeying around or things of that sort, using the word monkey, which now I, I, okay, anyway, let's hit it, cut three, go. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Wait a minute, is that Obama? Wow. Monkeyed around with elections. Obama. He's not a self-hater, is he? Go ahead. It's not as if it's just Republicans who have monkeyed around with elections in the past. Sometimes Democrats have to. If you do it in constant dollars, so there's no monkeying around with numbers here. Nobody here of any party has until 2011 monkeyed around with that problem. Jay Carney. Risk associated with monkeying around with the debt limit. Josh Ernest. The Health and Human Services Department has been monkeying around with the website. Senator Angus King. Republican colleagues, even in their tax bill, cause premiums to go up by monkeying around with health. Chuck Schumer. They're not going to monkey around with government shutdowns. That they would draw the line before he left and told Mr. Milosevic in no uncertain terms, don't monkey around with this one. John we Kerry. We all right to monkey around with Columbus Day. Robert Byrd. And even the birthday of the father of our country. In the back of the solicitation, have the opportunity, have the ability to monkey around with Bernie interest Sanders. rates. What may have been avoided was Adam a Schiff. Uh, further escalation of the interference in the form of uh, trying to 
monkey around on election day or thereafter. Wanted to say CNBC is no longer available to XYZ, direct TV, to use an example. That's against the law. And any if we wanted to uh, monkey around. Comcast, Brian Roberts, huge Democrat donor. Obama, Durbin, Carney, Ernst, Ernest rather, King, Schumer, McCurry, Kerry, Bird, Sanders, Schiff, and so forth. Such a phony, phony issue. But they're not done. We have Simone Sanders, leftist. Chris Cuomo, leftist. Donna Edwards, leftist. Yamichi, whatever, leftist. Rick Tyler, nutjob. John Berman, Jonathan Capehart, Chris Hayes, Don Lemon, Montage from CNN and MSNBC. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can focus on the word monkey, but now you need to focus on the word articulate, you see, because that clearly is a racist word. Cut one, go. DeSantis also referred to Mayor Gillum as articulate. articulate, All right, stop. um, I'll refer to him as inarticulate. Is that better, Mr. Producer? Inarticulate, because he's not that articulate. So he's inarticulate. Is that okay? Truth to power. Go ahead. Thing that, um, frankly, some white people use to talk about black people because they do not expect them to be able to speak well. By the way, calling an African-American male articulate is also something that sounds a little bit like code to people. And he chose those words, the word articulate. I mean, I know, Michael, you and I, we're so tired of being described as articulate, okay? So the fact that you would call him articulate and say that he was performing well is, of course, in itself, itself racially charged. Well, Mika, there's no, there's no question that the um, juxtaposed articulate and, and monkeyed up whatever that's supposed to mean, um, is, was, was maniacally stupid. He also went out of his way to say that Gillum isn't an articulate spokesman, another word that is sometimes used. Ask any of your black friends if they like to be called articulate in, in any context. And I guarantee you nine, nine out of ten of them will say they really can't stand it. And in Florida, Republican Ron DeSantis accused of racism for calling his African-American opponent articulate. Articulate, yeah. Popular slur disguises a compliment articulate as if it's surprising when a person of color... Ah, shut up, all of you idiots. White, black, brown, left-wing kooks. Articulate. So if there's a young man and he's articulate and he happens to be African-American, you can't call him articulate? How many times have I heard people or had people on this show, many of whom are not African-Americans, Mr. Producer, and I call them articulate? Okay, he's inarticulate. Is that better? And by the way, I don't think he's particularly articulate. That's right. I don't. But of course, Joe Biden... We can remember the word articulate as he applied it to Obama. Joe Biden is obviously a well-known racist. Cut two, go. I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice-looking guy. There you go. There you go. There you go. At least five racist words in there, according to the left. Then there's Michael Steele. This guy is a whack job. Absolute whack job. The former chairman of the RNC over at MSNBC. He's a puppet. He's a puppet now over at MSNBC. He doesn't think for himself. Plays right into the line with Chuck Todd. Cut four. Go. Why didn't DeSantis get the benefit of the doubt? The assumption was that he was the, that, that he didn't misspeak, that it was 100 percent 
a racial dog whistle. What, is it because he's connected to Trump? He didn't get the benefit no, out from no, many people, including Fox because News. He's connected to Trump. Is is because it's how white folks talk about black men who are successful. You know that you you're so unbelievable. You've come full circle ideologically. It's how white folks talk about blend, black men who are successful. Are you out of your mind? Go ahead. I heard that he's articulate. He performs well. You know, he's checking off those boxes. So that when so when DeSantis was standing there, just show you how how sick this comment is. After his successful primary bid, he's checking off the racist boxes. You are a disgrace, Michael Steele. You should be ashamed of yourself, but you won't. You won't be ashamed of yourself. You've turned a corner. You're over on the left. That's okay. Now you're out of the closet for everybody to see. Former great RNC chairman. Go ahead. I, why do you have to describe him that way? You know, what makes him articulate? Yeah, what makes him articulate? Chuck, you are an articulate. I said he's not articulate. I felt he's inarticulate. The way he was talking, rambling on about socialism, rambling on about Medicare, rambling on about ICE and so forth. I don't find him articulate. I don't find many people on the left articulate. Nancy Pelosi, she can barely spit out three words in a row without her, uh, without her teeth chattering away. Schumer, inarticulate. There you have it. He's inarticulate. Go ahead. I mean, and, 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 you know, you perform well. Mm-hmm. Now, that says one thing. He said performed well at the debate. There were a number of people at the debate. He said he performed well. What, did, what do you think he meant, Steele? So you can't say somebody performed well at a debate? You can't say they're very articulate? You can't say don't monkey around and screw us up with socialism? Every single word evinces racism? These people are nuts. And there's Chuck Todd stirring the pot, prodding it on. He knows where Michael Steele, he knows where he stands now. Go ahead. Doesn't happen to a lot of white candidates. Doesn't happen to a lot of white candidates. But here's the rub: Who uses the term "monkey things up"? I mean, I, to be honest, I know about a monkey wrench. I heard of "don't monkey around," but I've never heard that term used. That so you're not giving benefit of the doubt. I, no, I'm not because that outrageous, came, that outrageous, came. Michael Steele. You're accusing somebody be a racist. I bet you don't even know the man. Monkey things up, monkey around, same damn thing. Okay, so he should have said monkey around. That, that would have satisfied you still? No. Then you would have gone to the word articulate or the word successful. People are finding racism where racism doesn't exist. They are doing it purposely. They are undermining the, the unity that people have in this country, a diverse nation which is mostly united. These are very, very uh, diabolical forces as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned. That's right. You want to hear a real steal? Listen to Shelby Steele. Forget about this Michael Steele. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Can I divert ever so slightly here and ask you a question? And I say this with the deepest of sincerity. And I don't want calls on this, by the way. Am I the only person in America who thinks uh, the passing of McCain and the news coverage has gone on a little too long and 
it's a little too much. Really, you can honor somebody. But this is going on day after day after day after day after day. And I don't say this out of any animus whatsoever, period. Why do some public officials get this kind of treatment, Kennedy, McCain, so and others get no treatment whatsoever? Probably never even heard of them. They probably have, weren't on TV as much as, say, McCain or Lindsey Graham and so forth. To me, the heroic part of John McCain has nothing to do with his service in the Senate and everything to do with his service in the United States military. And that's why he's a hero to the American people. What he did in the United States military and what was done to him and his bravery. And we have a gentleman, I just told you, still a member of the House of Representatives by the name of Sam Johnson. Outside of Dallas, Texas, the vast majority of the American people never heard of him. I, I've had him on the program in the past. And um, he won't get a send away like this. So why? And again, I don't want calls. Is it because... Of his votes against Republicans, whether it was in immigration or Obamacare or tax cuts under Bush or things of that sort. I'm, I'm quite serious about this. In the election of 2008, most of the same voices we're hearing today in the media in the Democrat Party condemned McCain. Some even accused him of being racist. Surprise, surprise. That's what they do. Um and strongly supported Obama and pushed Obama. He had nasty editorials written about McCain. They would talk about his temper. They would talk about potential infidelity. They just went on and on and on. You and I were the ones who voted for McCain, and we lost badly. And many reason, the main reason was we wanted to stop Obama. But is it because McCain didn't have fidelity to conservatism or republicanism? Or what is it? It's incredible. We had this for two days. These attacks on the president for being cheap, for being low, for being worse because of the flag not being at half mass um, throughout the morning period. The morning period, I think, goes through Sunday. Okay, fine. I understand that. That is the criticism. But you don't see the same kind of criticism applied to the to John McCain or, or the people who planned his uh, his goodbye in slighting Sarah Palin, which really is a mean thing to do. She never she never said a nasty word about John McCain, even when conservatives were raising questions about what he did and so forth. She never did. When I had her on a couple of months ago on Life, Liberty and Levin, wouldn't say a negative thing about him. Never did. She was his vice presidential running mate. He picked her. That seems to be a little more relevant to me than the flag flying at half-mast through Sunday. And yet you'll see almost no criticism of this by the same so-called news outlets, the same so-called voices, you know, the same crowd who can't wait to attack Trump. 
But I'm just saying, it seems a little over the top to me, what's going on. And they're not done. Today is Thursday, right, Rich? So we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So that's really a full week. And I want to make abundantly clear, I want to say it again, because people like to twist my words and try and destroy our program. This has nothing to do with animus. It's an observation. Was it because he was a presidential candidate? Is that what Mitt Romney will get? I don't know. But I suspect the media attention is more a result of him breaking with orthodox conservatism or traditional conservatism at key points. Uh, in which he was very, very helpful to the Democrat Party and the left, which, of course, we know the media embrace. Just one man's observation. Because today's Thursday, right? You know, in the Jewish faith, not that that matters to non-Jews, I'm just saying the Jewish faith, the tradition is to, to bury the deceased as soon as possible after the passing within 24, 48 hours, or the gathering of the immediate family and so forth. You still celebrate the person's life, of course. You still have the deepest memories and love for the person who's deceased. So it's quite different than what, you're, than what we're witnessing here. I'll be right back. Hate him or really, really hate him. The Great One is on the air at 877-381-3811. Remember I told you last evening that this fellow Andrew Gillum in Florida. Now this is important. Most of us don't live in Florida, at least not full time. But a lot of people do. But still, we're discussing the politics, the use of racism and all the rest of it. I told you he would run away from this notion of democratic socialism. He would run away from it. That's why it's so, so important to use race to attack your opponent. Oh, he used the word articulate. Whoa, he used the word successful. Whoa, he said monkey up. What does he mean by that? Anyway, Andrew Gillum on MSLSD today, doing exactly what I told you he would do. Cut eight, go. What do you make of this socialist label that's going, being, going to be ascribed to you a lot by your political party? First of all, Chuck Todd, what is your job, Chuck Todd? If you're going to be a front man, may I use, use the term front man? If you're going to be a front man for Democratic candidates, for Democratic policies, then just do it and stop pretending to be a journalist and resign from your media position. Because obviously, you're a hack. Why conservatives go and meet the depressed with this jerk? I'll never know. Just And I told you, this is how the media do it. They make a statement and then put a question mark at the end or raise their voice. So as if to sound like they're asking a question. What do you make of this socialist label that's going to be ascribed to a lot by your political opponents? Hit it at the top. Cut eight. Go. What do you make of this socialist label that's going, being, going to be ascribed to you a lot by your political opponents? Yeah, well, I now, mean... Now, keep in mind, Bernie Sanders is his mentor. Bernie Sanders campaigned for him. What, what do you mean by that? And there's no distance between him and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders being an articulate old red, by the way. Go ahead. 
Didn't surprise you. It didn't surprise me that the president is, again, uh, creating fairy tales. President's uh, not creating fairy tales. Are you a fairy tale? I don't think so. Have you not made comments that are consistent with Bernie Sanders? Did you not win as a radical leftist within the Democrat primary? Of course you did. And now he's trying to swing into the center, but he can't because his positions are radical. Don't call me socialist. Don't call me articulate. Don't call me successful. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. I get to decide what you can say about me, and the media will back me up, especially Michael Steele. Go ahead. Uh, on his you Twitter do not feed, believe, he's you done do that not quite a bit. Being a socialist, no, I'm a Democrat. Um, I ran uh, as a Democrat. I am and a, a Democrat. socialist. There are socialist parties, but socialism is an economic model. So you can run as a Democrat and be a socialist, and that's occurred throughout American history. He doesn't sound very articulate to me, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Frankly, the values that I hold, I think, are consistent with the values of the Democratic Party. In fact, I think they are the values shared by the majority of Floridians. What they don't So the know. majority of Floridians want to get rid of ICE. The majority of Flor- Floridians want to get rid of Medicare and go to single payer. payer. The majority of Floridians do not want a secure border. The majority of Floridians want to see their businesses taxed at 40%. And I can go on and on. Is that what the majority of Floridians want? Go. What voters don't know. Um, Too often in these elections is where we stand on those positions. I have been unapologetic in my beliefs. Uh, I have gone out, and whether I'm in red areas or blue areas or purple areas of this state, I've said the same thing. My grandmother used to put it this way. When you uh, tell the truth uh, all the time, you don't have to worry about covering up for lies. And so I've tried to be consistent every single place I've gone. Well, there you have it. Now, Medicare for all. Let's listen to this. Chris Cuomo on CNN. You may not know he has a show. He's the brother of the the other dummy, Andrew Cuomo. Let's listen to this. Cut nine. Go. I understand that there are studies that say over time, Medicare for all would reduce costs, have a healthier population, change copays. But the transition costs. All right. Stop there. Uh, No, no. Medicare for all can't possibly work. I've written about it, but why bore you folks? I don't know if Chris Cuomo can read. Go ahead. One of your uh, supporters, Bernie Sanders, his home state tried it, and they couldn't get it done because the tax increases that are necessary crippling. Yeah, well, let me tell you, I think if uh, uh, for Florida to move in that direction, we would have to do it as a confederation of states. Whoa, 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 what? What do you say, Mr. Bidu? A confederation of states? Well, let's pretend I'm a professor from an Ivy League school and I'm on the morning schmo show or a columnist. Or let's pretend I'm Michael Steele. Did he not say a confederation of states? Isn't our most recent experience with a confederation of states problematic? Was that a dog whistle or a bullhorn? What was that exactly? A confederation of states? Are you kidding me? Who talks like that anymore? A confederation of states. Go ahead. Not do it by ourselves uh, solely here in the state of Florida because it would collapse the system. We would only attract the sickest of patients and it wouldn't work. But could you imagine if we could uh, team up with the states of New York, California, uh, Florida, maybe. Oh, yeah. New York, California. That's the way to go economically. 
Maybe you don't know this, sir, but your state is filled with people who escaped from New York and California and some of these other dark blue states that are more and more socialist and less and less capitalist. Go ahead. Illinois. uh, Oh, there's uh, one. Illinois has gone. This is great. I hope the people of Florida are listening. But he's not a socialist. No, 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 no. Not a socialist. We need a confederate, a confederacy of states. Wow. Go ahead. Uh, Thinking states uh, and bargain on behalf of the citizens. There you go. So we need a, a confederation of states to get together. New York, Illinois, California, states like that that are economically bankrupt due to the profligate spending by the Democrats. Pensions out of control, immigration out of control, taxes out of control, regulation out of control, people escaping to states like Florida and Texas and so forth. And he said, no, no, you don't understand. We need a confederation of states. Now that phrase, confederation of states, now we all know what he means. No big deal. But if I'm of the mindset that using the word successful or articulate or even monkey up as opposed, you know, like a monkey wrench or something in the system. If those are racist dog whistles or even bullhorns, then what does the phrase confederation of states mean? What does that mean? A collection of states. Oh, no, 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 no. If you're the head of the Democrat Party in Florida, and if Ron DeSantis had dared to say that, you would accuse him of racism. And it would be bouncing all over MSLSD and the constipated news network, CNN. Be bouncing all over them. Did you hear what DeSantis said? Confederation of states. We tried that once. That didn't work very well, did it? No. Well, what's he trying to do? It's a dog whistle to all the racists in the Republican Party. Really? I don't think so. Ah, because you don't think. You don't know what it's like. All right. I'm just so sick of this. Sick of it. And I'm sick of people who claim to be conservatives and Republicans or even right of center who don't stand up to this, who don't speak out against this. Now, on Sunday, Labor Day weekend, as you know, we're going to replay on Life, Liberty, and Levin, or at least I asked them to at Fox, My interview with Shelby Steele. Forget about Michael Steele. Forget about all these frauds and phonies all over MSLSD and the Constipated News Network. Forget about all of them. They are mouthpieces. They are paid mouthpieces. White, black, red, green, brown, whatever. Forget about it. Listen to a truly thinking man, a scholar, who's delved into these issues of race, issues related to it. He doesn't make any excuses for slavery or segregation. Repugnant and contemptible. And neither do any of us or should any of us. But he has the gall to say people need to think for themselves. People don't think as part of a group. We are all free men and free women. Act like it. Act like it. Instead, we get these these mental midgets all over TV stirring the pot, trying to divide the nation, trying to undermine the unity of a diverse nation, the most magnificent society on the face of the earth ever, with the most diverse population imaginable. 
and individuals in this country that insist on balkanizing us. You don't know what it's like to be this. You don't know what it's like to have this religion. You don't know what it's like to be. If you know what it's like to be a human being, then you do know what it's like. Everybody in one form or another has been discriminated against. Some people are smarter than others. Some people look better than others. It's just the way it is. Some people are taller than others. Some people speak better than others. Some people know how to bathe. Some people don't. And on and on and on. There's always some form of discrimination. Discriminating one person from another. But in terms of group discrimination, group discrimination, I don't know what else this society can do. As a matter of federal law, state law, the monitoring of various departments of government. I mean, this country's come so far, but you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. If you listen to the left, you listen to half the sportscasters in this country, half the athletes or whatever, maybe all the athletes in this country. You'd think we haven't made any progress. The cops stink. There's no equality under the law. Uh, And so forth and so on. We've heard it before. And yet, if you're this racial group or that racial group, you're privileged or you're not privileged and so forth and so on. Most people in this country work for what they get. Nobody hands them a damn thing. Whether it's that African-American gentleman who was driving the Uber car that my wife and I were in, whether it's some white truck driver, whether it's some Latino restaurateur, whatever it is, whoever it is, this magnificent, diverse country with still major elements of capitalism, people work for what they get. They're proud of having worked for what they get. And they don't need to be lectured to by individuals on TV who happen to have a hosting role or a guest role telling them how much the country sucks all the time and just rely on more government. I'll be right back. It was never my plan, quite frankly, throughout the day to discuss this for an hour. Never. But frankly, folks, somebody has to give voice to rationality, to reason here. When it comes to the the slinging and the sliming of people to try and shut them down, to try and threaten their reputations, to try and prevent them from speaking, prevent them from running for office. Well-to-do media personalities, well-to-do, well-to-do professors. Well-to-do business people, well-to-do politicians, constantly trying to tear this country apart. The values that bring us together, faith, family, liberty, private property rights, the values that bring us together are under attack. And so when you seek to defend those values from those who are attacking it, the hardcore progressive left, you are inevitably accused of racism. Inevitably. 
Can you think of a single prominent conservative who hasn't been? Barry Goldwater? Milton Friedman? Ronald Reagan? John McCain, not particularly conservative. He was accused of it. You're not allowed to win elections. Of course, the current president. You're not allowed to win elections. You're not allowed to make the case for liberty. You're not allowed to make the case for capitalism, securing the border, lawful immigration, without having this this mud. It's even worse, this sludge thrown at you, this toxic sludge to shut you down and shut you up. This phrase, white privilege, honestly, I hadn't heard of this phrase until the last two or three years. And again, Shelby still talks about this on Sunday's show. White privilege. You've got a, an enormous number of people in this country who are Caucasian, whatever that means. Who have to break their ass every day to put food on the table. Every day. They don't complain. They don't squawk. Many of you, that's what you do. We have people who call this program all the time, driving 18 wheelers from one end of the country to the other. They're away from home. Ten months out of the year. To bring us goods and material. To retail stores and so forth. When you hear phrases like white privilege or this phrase racism thrown around, things like that, this is intended to disrupt the civil society. This is intended to put an end to any serious discussion about any serious issue. Don't tell me I don't understand this or I don't understand that or you've never been this or you've never been that. The vast majority of us have never been the vast majority of anything. And when you start putting people in these boxes and then insist that they be in these boxes and insist on groupthink and group identification, you don't understand Americanism. You don't understand the purpose of this nation. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We are an imperfect people, but we are a great people. And if you don't believe we're a great people then you don't believe in America at all, quite frankly. You know, I can't stress enough that you must protect yourself from thugs who steal personal information, email addresses, social security numbers, medical cards, passwords. Retailers are being compromised every day. Now, look, you can't stay vulnerable. That's why I switched to my ID care, the best in the business. My ID care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, providing best-in-class service. With tri-bureau credit monitoring and dark web monitoring, it's the kind of comprehensive protection you need right now. And you can sign up at myidcare.com slash mark and enter promo code mark. My ID care has taken care of Fortune 500 companies for years, but just recently made their protection available to consumers. Now, I switched in a heartbeat because their protection is stellar. And Tom Kelly, the CEO, is a genius at personal ID protection. Plans start for less than 10 bucks a month, and only my ID care offers a money-back recovery guarantee. Now, I don't worry about identity theft anymore, neither should you. My listeners also get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. 
MyIDCare.com slash Mark. That's right. 15% off. Learn more and then let MyIDCare take care of you. MyIDCare.com slash Mark. Enter promo code Mark. One more time. MyIDCare.com slash Mark. Promo code Mark. Lots more. I hope you'll stick with us. Washington, D.C., I believe they are, at this point, watching a uh, preseason football game. That's very valuable. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, as I watch the uh, the news media and uh, the speeches, the memorial for uh, John McCain, much of it's very touching. It really is. I dusted off an old, I don't know what you call this, an old, uh, well, family book. And uh, I was looking for something that was read when my grandfather, Harry, my father's father, passed away. And uh, he was only 72, but he had smoked a lot. He passed away in his sleep. I was 13 years old. A very, very nice man. Wonderful man. Lived, I can't even say modestly. He actually was quite poor. And um, he grew up quite poor when his parents brought him to the United States. He was actually born in London on the way from Russia. And uh, they came into the United States legally. And they settled in North Philadelphia. And um, nobody would ever know who he is today. There wasn't a lot of fanfare. And yet he was a wonderful man. In World War I, he taught our troops how to ride motorcycles. And he would tell my father, as you know, is now 93, don't ever allow your kids to ride motorcycles. Now, those of you who ride motorcycles... You'll disagree, but he saw a lot of ugly things back then, including his own motorcycle accident, where he spit up blood for a week. But the rabbi at the funeral was a very accomplished man. His name was Bertram Korn, Dr. Bertram Korn. He had a PhD, and he was a history scholar as well as a rabbi had a beautiful voice and he didn't live that long either he died in his 60s and here's what he read the entirety of what he read after he gave Jewish prayers and it's entitled When I Am Dead this isn't meant to be maudlin or anything quite the opposite 
I do not want a curious crowd to come with lamentations loud when I am dead. Nor do I want my words and ways rehearsed by them with tardy praise when life has fled. I only want the very few who stood through good and evil too. True friendship's test. Just those who sought to find the good and then, as only true friends could, forgave the rest. I'd have them come, these very few, and drop perhaps a tear or two, and then, without a sob or moan, go softly out and leave alone my soul to rest. The author's not known. The author's not known. So modest. I do not want a curious crowd to come with lamentations loud when I am dead, nor do I want my words and ways rehearsed by them with tardy praise when life has fled. I only want the very few who stood through good and evil too, true friendship's test, just those who sought to find the good and then, as only true friends could, forgave the rest. I'd have them come, these very few, and drop perhaps a tear or two, and then without a sob or moan, go softly out and leave alone my soul to rest. I remember asking the rabbi to see what he had read, and he had handwritten it. And I typed it up at 13. And I put it in this album, I guess you call it, which I'm reading from right now. It's been said before me that after three or four generations, the vast majority of us will not have really existed. No, not, I'm not talking about physically. Of course we existed. But will we be remembered? Will we be known? This is why family is so important. And the family unit is so important. More than government, more than ceremony, more than any of the rest of it. More than fame, more than fortune. Because if you are to live eternally on this earth, it's going to be through your family. If you're going to be immortal, it's going to be through your family. Not the media not the rest of it. And so it's been said that other than 500 or 1,000 people who've lived on this earth since the beginning, um, the vast majority of us will have been forgotten. Will have been forgotten. wonder what you think about that. Think that's true? Do you know who your great-great-great-great-grandfather was or your great-great-great-great-grandmother was? Now, some of you do. I understand. But most of us don't. I don't. I really don't. People spend a great deal of time and sometimes a great deal of money through these various services trying to find out what exactly their roots are, right? Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? 
they're looking for their well they're looking for meaning they're looking for purpose in their lives who am I really where do I come from really I've done it myself. We can only go back so far because my great-grandparents came here from Europe, uh, from Russia, and or Ukraine. It just depends on the time when the Russians were conquering various parts around them. They've always been doing that. And so uh, I've done that. I've, I, I can follow a satellite picture. It's, a, it's amazing. To the row house in North Philadelphia where my mother's grandparents lived. My great-grandparents, who I met as a very young boy. They were in their 80s. At the time I met them, as a very young boy. I can track back to some extent my father's side. When I visit my father and mother, and I go into their home, there's a photo there of, their, of my father's grandparents, grandmother and grandfather. I stare at it all the time. That's why family is so important. Faith is so important. And those people who have a faith that tells them, you know, what happens after life, or for them, all all faiths do, but if they really believe it and embrace it, I admire them. I admire them because they can handle that sort of stuff better than I do, I suppose. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's take a few calls, and I have a few questions for you. What is the purpose of CNN? I ask this every now and then. What is the purpose of CNN? They bring back this this slob, this left-wing moronic slob from Watergate, Carl Bernstein, because they want you to be thinking about Watergate in the era of Trump. Problem is, it isn't Watergate. It's not the era of Nixon. It's the era of Trump. And they want to take Trump down much as they took down Nixon. Just remember what aboutism is relevant? What about Kennedy and all the scandals? Never touched him. LBJ and his disgusting scandals? Never touched him. Never. But they target certain politicians. They target certain presidents. And they tend to be Republicans. One of our greatest presidents ever, Ronald Reagan, they tried to take him out during the Iran-Contra matter. They wanted to impeach him. They wanted him to be indicted. They thought they could, but they couldn't because he didn't do anything wrong. They're doing exactly the same thing, trying to do exactly the same thing with, uh, with President Trump. Now, um, the lawyers for uh, the President of the United States are preparing a, uh, a counter-report. I read this in the Daily Beast about an hour ago. Giuliani, Secolo, and so forth, they report to deal with Mueller. The first half of the report is to question his legitimacy, which, of course, is relevant. And apparently, I haven't seen it, I haven't discussed it with anybody. And the second, I'm just basing it on the article, the second 
part of the report is to go blow for blow for blow on what they anticipate Mueller might say. And in the article, they say this is unprecedented, that this, uh, this egghead professor with uh, scrambled eggs, he was saying, well, you know, who provides a report in response to a prosecutor's report? I would say to the professor, how many prosecutors prepare a report? Prosecutors don't prepare reports. They either indict people or they don't. And that is the problem with prosecutors preparing reports. Because then it's used by uh, diabolical people, among others, uh, for the purpose of, in this case, trying to impeach a president of the United States. So... There's serious questions about Mr. Mueller's appointment, and there's serious questions, not only the way he was appointed, but constitutional questions. And they ought to be raised. And there's serious questions about what Mr. Mueller's doing in terms of his criminal investigation. But again, we were talking about the media, right, and why some people get more attention in their passing than other people. Uh, is it always because they're greater or better, or is there, are there other reasons? The reason why Mr. Mueller is being held on a pedestal is because they want him to take out the President of the United States. So they protect him. The Praetorian Guard media protect him. They know he hired a bunch of partisan Democrats on his staff, which is really quite outrageous, and he thumbed his nose at the American people. They have no problem with that. They know his number two guy is unethical, and it's been demonstrated to be unethical. Weissman, they have no problem with that. It's okay. They know he has clearly turned a blind eye to all the criminality that took place at the FBI, at the Justice Department, in our intelligence agencies, and with the Hillary Clinton and DNC, and all of But he turns a blind eye to it. They know all this. But it doesn't matter. So they're going to hold him up. They're going to hold him up, hold him in high esteem, continue to build him up, build him up, build him up, while they tear down Trump, tear down Trump, tear down Trump. Because they get to decide who the angels are in their minds and who the devils are. Right? So, Mueller's an angel, Trump's a devil. If you're a conservative in politics, or if you're not a conservative in politics, let's say you're in what I do, talk radio or TV and that sort of thing, and you throw enough bombs at Trump, and you make enough disparaging comments about Trump, I mean, you can have honest disagreements with Trump and raise certain questions, well, maybe he shouldn't have done this, maybe, I've done it myself. But, but if that is your basic menu every day, to say, well, six of one, half a dozen of the other, when you know the republic's under attack. When you know the 2016 election results are under attack. When you know the Constitution is being undermined. When you know that Mr. Mueller is a partisan based on what he's been doing. Then you've really joined forces with those who are not calling it straight. Because they want to be tapped on the head too. And given a that a boy, at least that's a conservative who weighs things. That's a conservative who has an open mind. That's a conservative who's objective. And I'm not buying that for one second. I've told you these stories before. How many times I've been invited on these mainstream media outlets 
when I've criticized the president, say, about the whatever is trade or this or whatever. Mark, would you like to come on? They're not going to invite me to come on to defend the president. They're not going to even more. They're not going to invite me to come on to defend the Constitution, to criticize the press, to criticize their their claims of defending freedom of the press. They would never invite me to discuss that. Take a look at a couple of these people on MSNBC briefly. Guy by the name of Steve Schmidt. This guy was a top campaign worker for John McCain in 2008 for his presidential run. He has been a Republican operative for decades. That's how he's made his money. He is on MSNBC constantly making the so most hateful, poisonous comments about Trump. One of the new hosts on MSNBC is somebody by the name of Nicole Wallace. Nicole Wallace worked on that same campaign. 2008 McCain was supposed to assist Sarah Palin when the election's over. Just trashed her. Just trashed her. And these people now they're embraced in these various social circles in Manhattan and Washington, D.C. and L.A. You know, they're not dirty. They're not deplorable. These are really the good kind of Republicans. As a matter of fact, I think Schmidt or, or maybe the other one, Wallace, or maybe both of them say, you know, I'm not a Republican anymore. You can see the same thing with Scarborough. It's one thing not to be Republican anymore based on principles, but these aren't based on principles. What principles? The Republican Party is supposed to represent, frankly, our founding principles. That's why it is in existence. And when it moves off that, people leave the Republican Party, criticize it, fine. But if you're really a leftist or a Democrat or both, and you criticize the Republican Party, that's opportunism. These are opportunists. In other words... The Republican Party was never going to be the Democrat Party. At least it wasn't supposed to be. The Republican Party was never going to be a liberal party. At least it wasn't supposed to be. But the Republican Party was supposed to be and is supposed to be the place you go for our founding principles, right? And so the Mueller is held up as this this angelic figure. And everybody who works for it, not scrutinized, not questioned, nothing of the sort. They have all these investigative reporters and so Not a thing. But every time the President of the United States tweets, they analyze every syllable. Or Ron DeSantis in Florida, you can't use the word successful or articulate or the phrase monkey up or anything. You must be a race. You hit all the bucket items, all the bucket items. I'll be right back. Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I won't be here tomorrow, and I won't be here Tuesday. It's Labor Day weekend, so I won't be here tomorrow. I won't be here Tuesday. I'm visiting family, and these are the times that I'm able to do it. I look forward to uh, our event out in the Los Angeles area, KRLA, it's all sold out. You folks in the WMAL area, Washington, D.C. Well, you can't hear me, actually. You're preempted by uh, football. So there's no point. 
Um, you've probably heard me talking about the recent censorship we've seen of conservative voices on social media. It's not enough for them to have a platform where people can debate ideas and share opposing views. The liberals have one agenda, to shut down conservative speech. They can't stand President Trump, and they try to shut down anyone who says a good word about him. Well, you know what we're all about on my shows, whether it's Levin TV, Life, Liberty, and Levin, or this show, and that's giving people the truth, no matter the cost. That's why we created CRTV. It's a completely separate platform where you can get uncensored content from hosts you trust. If you're like us, you've seen the writing on the wall, and it's time to start building this network and community of conservatives. We need you to be part of this conservative community, and it's not going to keep growing if we don't have support from listeners like you. So we're giving everyone access to CRTV for 30 days absolutely free. So give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, and we'll have you set up in five minutes. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. Let's see here. Uh, Hold on one second. By the way, this is amazing to me. Household income jumps to all-time high. So household income jumps to all-time high. Consumer confidence is through the roof since the early 2000s. Unemployment is at historic levels, particularly for minorities. The GDP growth was actually 4.2% last quarter. Are you hearing any reporting on this? What a fantastic economy this is. Are you hearing anything about this? No, you're not. Or very little. It's part of the problem. Median household income is up more than 4%. The economy is growing fast. This is investors' business daily. Optimism is at decades-long highs. Not that you'd know it since the press is too busy trying to drive President Trump from office. Inflation-adjusted median household incomes in July hit $62,450, according to the latest release from Centyear Research. That's the highest level since they started tracking this more than 18 years ago. Now, I can assure you if this was taking place during the Obama regime, you'd never hear the end of it. And if you combine Centyear's numbers with annual census data, median household income is at all-time highs. More interesting is the fact that median household income has shot up more than, four, more than 4% in the 19 months since Trump took office. It had been flat over the previous year and a half. Over the course of President Obama's entire eight years in office, listen to this, median household income climbed a mere 0.3%, a third of 1% sent your data show. And you have these liberal propagandists and demagogues all over the media telling us any growth, any reduction in unemployment that occurred during the Trump administration is thanks to Obama. Oh, yeah, the, the economy is really coming out of the tank under Obama. Obama did nothing to help the economy, smothered it. Overall, economic growth is accelerating as well after years of Obama-induced stagnation. Yesterday, the Commerce Department boosted its estimate of second quarter growth to 4.2%. That means average growth for the first half of the year was above 3%. And if it continues strong in the third quarter, as it appears to be the case, chances are we will see growth for the entire year at or above 3%. That would be the first time in 13 years. This, too, is a sharp turnaround. 
that just happens to coincide with the Trump presidency. In Obama's last year of office, GDP growth was an anemic 1.6%. The growth rate dropped in each of the last two quarters of that year, and economists were everywhere telling the public that 2% was the best we could do. Perhaps that's why polls are showing the public's mood better than it's been in many years. Examples. The Investor Business Daily TIPP Economic Optimism Index surged to a 14-year high this month. The Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index just reached an 18-year high. The Conference Board also reports that job satisfaction is the highest it's been since 2005. A survey by Express Employment finds that blue-collar workers are more upbeat about the direction of the economy than the general public. Whatever one's view of Trump, this is undeniably good news. After years of so-called unexpectedly underperforming growth, the economy is giving every indication that it's returning to its vigorous norm. But instead of heralding this news, the mainstream press either ignores, downplays, or tries to explain it away. As we noted in this space recently, this Investor Business Daily, the New York Times and others keep trying to claim that the current boom was simply the continuation of growth set in motion during the Obama's years. There's a simple reason for this. The press is singularly fixated on bringing down Trump at all costs. Since good economic news will help Trump, it must be overlooked. That is exactly what's taking place. And it's not just Trump. Anything that shows that capitalism works and works well and works brilliantly for the vast majority of the American people needs to be trashed. Let me ask you this question. I ask a lot of questions. I know. Let me ask you this question. Why is there constant talk about socialism in the media and almost never talk about capitalism? Why is there constant talk about socialism in the medium, but almost never talk about capitalism? Isn't that amazing? If you really think about it, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so if you don't talk about capitalism in the media, true capitalism, if you don't talk about capitalism, true capitalism, in our public school system, if you don't talk about capitalism in universities and colleges, well, the only talk is to trash it. That explains in significant part why so many people reject capitalism. Even though if you look at it, there's so much to celebrate. All right, let's take a few calls. Maureen, Westerville, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you tonight? Very well, thank you. Um, I have one comment and then a question. Um, Hmm. I was raised very poor. So being articulate is something that I've strived for in my life. And if you were to call me articulate, that would be a huge compliment to me. And I just, I don't get where these people are coming from. Maybe perhaps they don't know the definition. Of what, what if DeSantis had called him inarticulate? Oh. Because I happen to think he's less articulate and more inarticulate. So what if, what if DeSantis had said that? Is that racist? You see, you can't win. Well, you don't talk about white people that way. Sure, I do. We do. All the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. My question to you is, um, I need some words of wisdom. My boyfriend is a Democrat. And um, are there people that are Democrats in your life that you love? And how... Usually my argument ends with, are you kidding me? 
So I All right, let me let me ask you a few questions. How long has this guy been your boyfriend? Um, we met right before the election, so almost two years. Are you in love with this gentleman? Yes, except for the political part. Do you think he's in love with you? I don't know, because I asked him one time, did you think, when we met, did you think I was like a stinky Walmart shopper? And he, like, didn't even answer, so... Really? Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question. i continue with a few questions you asked me. Do you think this is somebody you could spend the rest of your life with when you can't really share what's in your heart and soul about your belief system? That's kind of the conundrum I'm facing. If I have to live the rest of my life and I can't listen to you or I can't listen to Fox News without him thinking I'm crazy, then... um, I don't see much of the future. Is that wrong? Like, No, know? it's not wrong. It's what you feel. But just so you know, I, I could not uh, marry somebody who uh, was diametrically opposed to my principles because uh, you need to be able to share that belief system. You know, there's, there's, there's a bonding that's involved in that when you watch a particular show or listen to a particular person or read a particular book or make a particular argument. You know, when you're at Thanksgiving, you don't want him on the other side of the table joining in with the libs in your family. Oh, my word. I'm the only one. I try to stand strong, but when it's with his family, I try to stand strong because I think... Well, what, what, may I ask? You don't need to identify, of course. What does he do? He's an accountant. It's an accountant. Yes. Have you asked him to look at the uh, federal government's finances, even from afar? Oh, yeah. And I write down most of the points that you make because you are much more articulate at that than I am. Excuse me. Did you just call me articulate? I did. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's shameful. Well, um, look, I'll send you a book. Will he read a book if I send it to you? I believe he will. I've challenged him with books. And he's read them. But he doubles down on stupid, and I don't know how much further I can go. Well, that's the thing. If he's doubling down on stupid, you better cut your losses. Matter of fact, I'm going to keep my book. I'm not even going to give him a book. Okay. (laughs) Well, thank you for your advice. I would keep an open mind about keeping an open mind, if you know what I mean. Try to use your head and not your heart, because uh, you may be very, very frustrated with this guy. Yeah, I think my blood pressure goes up. (laughs) And plus... If he's not that bright, what's the point? Very true. Very true. You, you go out there. There's somebody for you out there. All right. Well, send him my way, Mark. Yeah, well, I'll do my best. You take care. What a nice lady, Maureen. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, Casper was created with one goal, deliver a great night's sleep at an incredible value. The team of engineers and designers at Casper work nonstop researching, prototyping, and testing all their mattresses based on how different people sleep. The Casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment so you feel perfectly balanced and comfortable. 
And the breathable material guarantees you sleep cooling. Plus, the mattresses are built to last for years. Try Casper yourself for 100 nights risk-free. They ship it to you for free in a compact box. And if you don't love it, they come pick it up and refund you everything. No questions asked. See for yourself why Casper has over 35,000 five-star reviews and counting. Go to Casper.com today to take advantage of Casper's limited-time Labor Day offer. Say goodbye to summer with 10% off any order with a mattress. Casper.com, terms and conditions apply, and see the site for details. Again, based on reviews of all Casper products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Top, top, top rated. It's a great mattress. Gil, Tucson, Arizona, the great KNST. Go. Uh, Mark, good to be speaking to you, sir. You were talking about social media being uh, attacked uh, because conservatives on it. I got my notice today from Facebook because I had to register, because I support our President Trump, because I have a constitutional conservative voice on my Facebook page, and now I have a code I have to put in because they say it's political, national issues, so I had to register with the thought police at Facebook, Mark. Well, there's a solution, you know, and that's to get off Facebook and try one of the others. You are absolutely right, Mark, and I am going to find another place to express my constitutional voice and, uh, you know, speak with people of like mind, because this is an Orwellian world we are heading to, and whether you're articulate or not, Facebook should not be monkeying around. All right, sir. Thank you. Got it. Greg, our buddy Greg, Ocala, Florida, the great WSKY. How are you, my friend? I'm fine, Mark. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. I'm going to throw a little curveball into the story tonight, storyline. I just wanted to share with you and the listeners something that I went through, experienced 12 year, or 13 years ago in Crawford, Texas, when they were protesting at President Bush's ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, first day, in, I was in town. It's a small town, but anyway, I rode out to... Uh, what they called Camp Casey 2, and a big tent, 300 foot long at least, and whatever, and George Soros paid for it, and they didn't make any bones about it, but I got out there, and I was told, I I went and knocked on the door of a CNN truck, they had to park at the end of the building, tent, and a guy came out, and I introduced myself, and handed him a picture of my son Justin, and I, I, everybody, Greg is a gold star father. I just everybody doesn't know. Go right ahead. I'm sorry, Greg. Okay, no, I'm. You're fine. And so I flipped it over, and I gave the legend of the flag was on the backside, in a news article of the Orlando Sentinel. And I, the guy put it in there. I was quite surprised, but anyway, it said uh, I put, I stopped the tr- my truck when he called me, and was talking to him, and I said. He was trying to get me to say something, whatever, bad. And I said, no, George Bush did not kill my son. Those mm-hmm. bastards interacted. Mm-hmm. And he put that in the newspaper. And mm-hmm. I was surprised. And anyway, make a long story short, went through everything with him. And I said, how would you like to do another side of the story out here? In, about the memorial project that I had. And he listened to me. And he said, what happened? Well, 
he says to me, you have a great story to tell. But unfortunately, Mr. Garvey, you're not the story out here. Cindy Sheehan is. I see. Cindy Sheehan of Code Pink. Yep. And so I just, I gave him a smile, shook his hand. I said, thank you very much. He goes, what are you thanking me for? I said, because you're the most honest SOB in the news business I've ever met. <laughs> that was a guy from CNN. But they did, they wanted nothing, and it was a totally, anything that, you, if you remember those days, anything you saw from that event, and I was there for two weeks, was totally media-driven. Media there right. was nothing real. It was made up, and they drove it. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it was just, uh, I haven't watched television since. I haven't bought a newspaper since, literally. And Greg, you're a good man, brother. Thank you for your call. God bless you. You know, uh... It's tough watching Meghan McCain watch her father's casket uh, removed from Air Force Two and being placed in a hearse. It is. It's obvious she adored her father. Adored her father. And um, obviously the family's very upset, but you can see on her face she's crying that she is uh, enormously upset. So, you know, our hearts absolutely go out to the family. Absolutely go out. I understand it completely. So, uh, and that gentleman you just heard, Greg Garvey, he lost his son uh, in Iraq. And he's, he's terrific. He's a fighter. He's a fighter. You heard what he said about that, that reporter. <laughs> the most honest SOP in the media. And that's about right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a lot more to cover. It's been a real soul-searching show, hasn't it, in many ways? I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. It's interesting to watch... Uh, the rewriting of history in some cases. As in the case of uh, Joe Biden. I watched some of what Joe Biden had to say today. It was quite touching, actually. But I remember Joe Biden. The real Joe Biden. I remember what Joe Biden did to Robert Bork one of the smartest, most unbelievable legal minds this nation has ever known. I saw as Joe Biden led a mob with Ted Kennedy, among others, to try to destroy that man. Not just stop his confirmation, but destroy him. I saw what Joe Biden did to Clarence Thomas. I saw what he did to Clarence Thomas, again, with the mob, Ted Kennedy and the others. Not just stop him, but try and ruin him. 
Much of the acrimony we have today in this country, well, there's a lot of fingers you can point, but certainly in part, you can point to Joe Biden and Ted Kennedy, among others. The entire confirmation process. Now, when you're listening to the politicians speak to each other, and then when you're listening to the media speak to each other, and then when you watch this a ceremony with John McCain, which is quite touching. And they talk about bipartisanship and unity, and they talk about um, the different era and so forth. I want you to watch what takes place next week to Judge Kavanaugh. Now, I have no problem with serious questions being asked of a nominee to the United States Supreme Court. I mean, this is it, right? and they serve for life if they're confirmed. Nobody, Nobody's talking about that, but that's not what's taking place here. They want to destroy this guy before he even gets to Capitol Hill. They are using every delay tactic they can think of, every smear tactic they can think of. They're joined by the New York Times and CNN and the Washington Post and the rest of the mob, the golden age of journalism, of course. And... um. I want you to watch, and we'll discuss it next week, because you'll see how so many of these politicians are full of crap. They insist, they demand that you join them in their fundamental transformation of America. Then you will be praised. Then you will be respected. Not in truth, but you understand. But you watch what they do to this Kavanaugh next week, the Democrats and the left, and how they try and take a guy like him and turn him inside out, as they do with so many solid citizens who are conservatives who also have a right to serve in public office at the request of a president who's duly elected. I'm serious about this. You watch. The same media that today are praising John McCain hated John McCain not many years ago. But now they they love him because they're using him to attack Trump and so forth and so on. But that's what the media are. That's what the politicians are. That's not what goes on in the real world. This Brett Kavanaugh will be viciously attacked. Matter of fact, they're plotting right now as they're talking about bipartisanship and a bygone era and uh, reaching across the aisle. And by the way, the Republicans are talking about the Democrats. They say it, but they have no intention of doing it. These same people, next week, you'll see the fangs growing out of their mouths, the nails growing longer on their hands, the saliva dripping from their chins as they question this Kavanaugh. You'll see. That their, their comments today will prove to be bogus. And it is also amazing, isn't it, when they talk about how our politics, our politics is divided. Well, who are the politicians? Who are the people practicing politics? Who are the people or the surrogates for the politicians and so-called reporters for the politicians, right? If we're divided, it's due at least in large part to them. But you wouldn't know it. 
Now, the president is in Indiana, Evansville, Indiana, a planned rally. And he's going to be at this rally at the same time the procession is moving toward Capitol Hill where John McCain's remains will lay in state for, I believe, 24 hours. And this isn't even a prediction. This is a fact. You watch how the media use that as an occasion to attack the president. The same media they keep talking about, let us not tribalize, let us not balkanize, let us not this, let us not that. Out of one side of their collective mouths, out of the other side of their collective mouths, they will trash the president for holding a rally. The country can't come to a stop, folks. The people who want to remove the president, they're not stopping. The president is doing what the president must do. He's trying to shore up some of these races and make a difference. That's rational. And he must, and he should. But you mark my word. They'll keep doing the contrast and comparison, the solemn event, and Trump at the rally, and it's just inevitable. And it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. All right, let's see who else is here. A lot of people want to speak, so who am I to stop them? Jim, Edison, New Jersey, the great WABC retired FBI agent. Thank you for your service. How are you, sir? Oh, thank you, Mr. Levin. Thank you, sir. Uh, sir, I, I just wanted to say that uh, I believe uh, Jeff Sessions is a little out of his league. I, I think Mr. Mr. Trump, President Trump, appointed him out of out of out of friendship and what he did for him. And, uh, and, and you know, I understand that, but I don't know why he came up with this uh, Christopher Ray when he could have had an opportunity to appoint a guy by the name of Jim Calstrom. Jim Calstrom oh, was uh, he's my, terrific. Uh, my boss in the FBI in, yes. in New York, and I never worked, I never actually met Jim Calstrom, but he was the top FBI agent in New York, and he was, I mean, if he would have got... Well, listen, point, I'm, I'm quite familiar with him, as is my audience, and I have met him, and he is a superstar, and he would have been a great director of the FBI, no question about it. For 10 years as an agent, and I actually never met the man, but it did, I didn't have to. I mean, he was our boss, and he, and he was he was terrific. If he would have got appointed right away, if they would have fired Comey on the day one, put Jim Calstrom in, he would have cleaned up that office. He would have got rid of McCabe and Strupp and Lisa Page. He would have got rid of them on day one. That's the kind of guy he was. And people don't seem to understand. Comey was not an FBI agent. Comey was was appointed by Barack Obama, and, and he never ran down the yellow brick road. He never sat out on surveillances for 12 hours all night long. He was just a person that was appointed. Uh, I guess Mueller pushed for him, but he, he should have never been director. It should have been Jim Calstrom right away. And, you know, uh, all I could say is, I mean, I never met Calstrom myself, even though I worked in I saw him once in the office right. by our squad, but I, I actually never shook hands with him, never met the man. But I'll tell you something. He is terrific. And I think, I think in November... Uh, Trump, President Trump should just appoint him. All right, my friend. I appreciate your service. Washington Post. Somehow I have their app and I can't get rid of it. It just keeps popping up on my iPhone. Here's their headline. Trump administration plans to cancel all U.S. funding of the United Nations aid program for Palestinian refugees. Right? So he's against refugees. Is that, is that the twist here? 
the Palestinian organizations, uh, both Fatah and Hamas, are terrorist organizations. They are corrupt. They maintain their people as refugees. They're not refugees. Refugees from what? And so Hamas and Fatah, you know, it's a different face of the same kind of terrorist mentality. Uh, the the higher-ups steal the money. They are corrupt. Uh, they use it for uh, to build their arsenal, their terrorist arsenal, their arsenal to attack each other, their arsenal to attack uh, Israel or anybody else. And And what I'm saying is there's a reason why the administration is doing this. And yet the text that goes out from the Washington Post is thoroughly deceiving. They're cutting funding for Palestinian refugees. Why is that? And who are these refugees? Okay, here I'm going to say something that's going to be considered provocative. It's not provocative at all. There are no refugees. There are no Palestinian refugees. Refugees from where? Judea and Samaria? Refugees from where? Jerusalem? Refugees from where? Seriously, Haifa? Hebron? Tel Aviv? Again, you watch the left and the way they use the language and labels and nomenclature and so on. But you are, oh, they're cutting to Palestinian refugees? The money is laundered through these corrupt terrorist organizations? <coughs> They're run like the mob, these organizations. Like the mob. Iran is run like the mob. Their government there. They're mullahs, yeah, but they divide up the economy. They divide up the, uh, uh, the geography. They divide up the areas of control. And they all report to the head mobster, the head uh, mullah mullah there. The yabba dabba. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the great WPHT. Go. Good evening, Mark. Yes, sir. Ten years. Ten years on the 15th since I've been listening to you. Thank you. And I have got a thorough education. Thank you. On the Declaration and the Constitution and what it actually means when it's functioning. And you know, Pat, I went to Temple University... And I didn't learn any of it there. Just wanted you to know. Go right ahead. And it's exceptional. Well, thank you. It really is. Uh, so what do you have for it's, us? It's an A plus, baby. That's the way thank it you. is. Okay. Um, By the I way, what part, of, what part of Philadelphia are you from? I'm in a little place outside of Philadelphia called Glen Olden. I know, I know where it is. I know where everything is around there. Flyover country. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you got for us? Um, Meritopia, which mm-hmm. I consider to be your best political philosophy book that yeah. I've ever read. Thank you. You give attribution to Charles de Montesquieu for his book, Spirit of Law. Correct. And did you have access to the 1,200-page behemoth? 
on my desk. I read it from beginning to end. And by the way, so did most of the framers. They cited often. It's actually cited some of what Montesquieu wrote in that book uh, in uh, the Federalist Papers. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Yes. I have I have the Federalist Papers, the, uh, what do you right. call it, back cover. Right. Yeah, I've had that since the 70s. All right. So what did you want to tell me? Now, I've, been, I've wanted to purchase Spirit of the Law, so I took a look at Amazon. Mm-hmm. The first 10 names, I copied them down, I Google searched them, and they are leftists to one degree or another. And that is the ultimate of perversion. Okay, but we'll just get get the uh, the original translation. You don't need to have it interpreted by anybody. That's what I do when I do my research. Get right, get the I, get the get the original translation, and you don't have to read it through anybody else. I don't like reading what other people have to say unless I respect them. If I want to know what Montesquieu has to say, I read Montesquieu. If I want to know what Locke has to say, I read Locke. I don't need interpreters. Pat, got to run, baby. Thank you for your call. Much appreciated. Let's continue. Michael, Bandalia, Ohio, XM Satellite. How are you? I'm doing well, Mark, Mr. Levin. I hope you are as well. Yes, thank you. Uh, Hey, it's very meaningful to talk to you. You're a true patriot, and you're a great intellectual mind. But I heard you talking earlier about family, and I'm one of nine. So, and wow, that's a family. Fam- yeah, family's great. It's, I mean, I'm one of nine, and we're, eight of us are still very close. The oldest brother, John, deceased. But anyway, here's my concern mm-hmm. and the reason for my call. The more we learn about Donald Trump, at least my perception is family is truly important to him. Yes. And my concern is at some point that he just, he may resign just to save his family, protect his family. I mean, I don't, I, I, listen, I don't know. I, there's, I cannot imagine if I were a betting man, I am by the way, uh, I would bet an enormous amount that that man will never resign. Well, I also would bet an enormous amount that if any of his children were were so abused by our government, including Mr. Mueller in that way, that he would fight like hell to protect them. Well, he's a fighter, and he's got tremendous resolve. We see that every day. But, but I, I don't think he would resign, because first of all, as a practical matter, that wouldn't change anything. If they wanted to hurt his children, they could still hurt his children. Well, true, but, I mean, we're not privy to, you know, their bedroom conversations or what Ivanka tells Well, none of us are. But what I'm saying, <laughs> but what I'm saying is you make a judgment based on the public life of the person. And uh, I'm just saying I, I can't imagine that he would resign. I think he would fight tooth and nail. And I think if any of his children were, uh, as I say, abused by this government, he would fight like hell to defend them. All right, my friend. That's where we are. We can differ. Debbie. Centerville, Tennessee, XM Satellite. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Uh, my highlight every Sunday night is watching you on oh, thank uh, you. Life, Liberty, and Live In. Thank you. you. You interview such strong, intelligent, informative people. Thank you. But my concern, and it, it has been ever since I had the good fortune of going to Israel 
on December 5th, one day before uh, Mr. Trump announced the embassy to Jerusalem. And um, I got to go to the Yad Vashem with my yes. my group. And, uh, of course, I've, I, I, can you hold on? About. Can you hold on a moment? We're going to carry you over the bottom of the hour. Unfortunately, the clock is a little faster than my eyes, so I didn't watch it carefully enough. So hang in there, Debbie from Centerville, Tennessee. We'll be right back. Feed for the conservative media. Dive in now. 877-381-3811. This is very important. Every time you go online, your internet provider and advertising companies can track what you do and sell your personal information without your permission. You don't even know it's taking place. Plus, the NSA is gobbling up information without your permission. You don't even know it's taking place. So how can you protect yourself? Well, computer experts recommend using a VPN. The software I use, called ExpressVPN, makes it super easy for anyone to stay private online. That's why I said this is important. They are rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. These days, I don't use the Internet without ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN's apps take just minutes to set up. And afterwards, they run seamlessly in the background of my computer and smartphone. You install the program, then turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. It couldn't be easier. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your Internet through data encryption and hiding your IP address. That means nobody, nobody can record or access your online activity. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers, spy agencies, and your ISP. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash mark for their special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. Three months free with a one-year package. And this super privacy protection. You really need to do this. Don't risk your online data any longer. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today all right as you know the other day we levinites here we decided to rally around retired lieutenant general mike flynn and i'm very angry about what's happened to him and then i see that this guy peter stroke who's fired for cause who tried to interfere in our election tried to elect hillary and defeat trump that all these leftists they set up a gofundme account to fund uh, his defense. And I got to thinking, now wait a minute. Mike Flynn loses his house. He loses his money. He's broke. He has to move to Rhode Island from Northern Virginia. He's living on a military pension. What the hell is this? We, patriotic Levinites, need to step up. And by the way, we still need to step up. And here is the site. MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org It's up on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. All the Levinites out there, we've got to give him the support that he needs financially. MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org. You can go there right now. And so his brother, Mike Flynn's brother, Joseph Flynn, reached out to us, and he wanted to come on the air. And so uh, brother Joseph Flynn of Mike Flynn, how are you, sir? 
I'm doing very well, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. Very honored to be here today. It's my pleasure. Tell us, <laughs> tell tell the uh, tell the Levin audience uh, what's going on. Well, first first thing I do is I want to absolutely thank you and thank all of your listeners uh, for the unbelievable outpouring of support that we've received in the last really 48 hours since you uh, first made that announcement. We were a little bit caught off guard, but we were unbelievably humbled by the massive amount of support that we've received the letters the emails the uh the prayers it's just it's just overwhelming um uh we 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 were very quiet with this uh my my sister and i mike comes from a family of nine children i'm the youngest of nine michael's the middle child myself and my sister barbara uh really pushed him into creating this legal defense fund which he which he kind of went into kicking and screaming because he didn't want to go out and with, with with his handout for this uh and um once we got it set up, we did it very quietly, unlike other people who went to the press immediately. We did it very quietly last September, and you know it's been it's been a pretty good. We've gotten pretty good support, but until uh, until you announced it on your radio show, it just it just exploded, and I and I can't thank you enough, and I can't thank your supporters enough. Well, it's our honor. You know, we have great patriots in this audience, great patriots, sure activists. They they are very concerned about what's happening in this country, and they are very supportive of your brother. And I hope you'll let him know that, that uh, we understand this is an enormously difficult time for him and your family. And I'll tell you, what, I, what happened was, I said to Mr. Producer and one of our wonderful IT guys, I said, go find me the Mike Flynn Fund. Yeah. There's all yeah. kinds of stuff out there. I said, find me yeah. the right one. And they said, right. it's this one. And we found you, yeah. the Mike Flynn, Mike Flynn Defense Fund dot org, Mike Flynn Defense Fund dot org. And uh, that's the one. That's the I one. hope. Uh, no. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, we, we appreciate it, Mark. Listen, uh, you know, something like this was never expected. No one ever prepares for this type of onslaught or legal onslaught that you go through. This is the last thing on earth that a three star general who did dedicated 33 plus years of his life fighting overseas wars, revolutionizing the way intelligence is gathered uh, during wartime. I mean, this guy is uh, an American hero. He's been he's been through a very very difficult time, unexpected time, and uh, the the outpouring of support certainly that we've gotten from many people uh, has been has been humbling. We're a, we're a simple family. Uh, we're a uh, military family. My dad was military. We have several members of the uh, 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 pe- several members of our family that are still active duty. So, you know, this is this is just something we didn't expect, and, and, the, and the help and support that we're getting is wonderful. The one thing I can tell you is, you know, Mike comes from a very tight-knit family. We're, we're nine brothers and sisters and 20, 22 or so grandchildren that are that have rallied around him. And most importantly, his wife, uh, who has been his sweetheart since they were, in the, they were 15 years old, and his sons uh, and his grandchildren, that is what has kept him strong through this very difficult time that we're going through. Well, I hope he knows he's got an infantry of patriots behind him here and uh, and to keep his chin up. Because, uh, look, uh, the prosecutor can't silence me and he can't silence every family member. And all I can say is uh, we know exactly what's taking place here. And uh, yeah. we're quite outraged by it as uh, as a people. So, And I yeah. would encourage my audience to keep up the support as best they can. MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org. MikeFlynnDefenseFund.org. Whatever you can contribute is important. Uh, and uh, we appreciate it, Joseph. Anything else? 
No, thank you very much for having me. It was hard for me to get on board uh, on the phone with you guys yesterday. It's hard to get on your show, so many people calling in. And I appreciate your, your, your friends reaching out to me to set this up. Uh, the one thing I can say is that um, General Flynn is quiet now, but that silence won't be forever. General Flynn is not going away. General Flynn is a patriot. General Flynn has everyone on, uh, every one of your listeners' uh, backs, and he will be back one of these days. And, and when he does, I think the world will be a better place. So do I. He's got a good brother in you. So you take Thank care you. of yourself. All right, Thank my friend. You. God bless you, and God bless your listeners. You too. You too. Yes, Joseph Flynn, who I don't know, I've never talked to in my life, he reached out to a friend of mine, and um, he wanted to come on the program and just thank you. Yeah, I love my own. I love you people. You are just the best. You really are the best. When somebody's in need, a hero's in need, look, you step up. You just step. You went, okay, where do I go? What can I do? How can I help? I tell you, I, I am so blessed to know you. I'm so blessed to be with you. You have no idea. Let us go to Ed Trucker, Kansas, XM Satellite. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? Very well, thank you. Well, what I was wanting to talk about is that uh, I have noticed that it seems to be a grassroots from the from the bottom up thing with with conservatism, and then when it comes to the liberal left, the Marxists, the socialists. It seems to come from the rich upper class, from some people up at the top. Have you noticed that? Well, this is an interesting point, isn't it? In other words, um, they fund these efforts, and there's some of that on, on, the, on the conservative side, too, but not nearly what goes on on the left. Yeah, what you're saying is it's, it's really quite uh, amazing. You have, in many respects, these, these, uh, these wealthy white leftists, uh, highly educated— and quite stupid, by the way, um, who are ginning this kind of stuff up. You talk about white privilege, right? And they are uh, ginning this kind of stuff up, and I think you're quite right. And I think this also explains why the media are so left. With these uh, these huge companies, mostly uh, their boards of directors, uh, are, are filled with leftists. I mean, I remember when this company, this uh, the stations I'm on, many of them, not all of them, uh, I remember when they were owned by Disney. And Disney had all kinds of libs on their board and so forth. And everybody was always looking over their shoulders, conservatives, that is. And by the way, I never have to look over my shoulder now. But I think there's something uh, right about what you're saying. There are exceptions, of course. All right, Ed, we appreciate your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So we have an economic boom of sorts in this country thanks to capitalism, thanks to the private sector, job creation like we've not seen in recent times, thanks to capitalism and the private sector, opportunities in communities where there were none, thanks to capitalism and the private sector. Socialism is an abstraction. It is a theory. And then when it's put into practice, it is bleak. It is anti-human nature. It is cold. 
It destroys. That's why so many stupid people on TV and stupid people who are elected to Congress or want to be elected to Congress keep burbling up its propaganda. In many cases, people who've never done a damn thing in the private sector and certainly haven't achieved anything. You know, when an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, well, let me tell you something. If it's a big emergency, they're closed. The shelves are empty. There's chaos. Now, how do you avoid this? You take control of your own life, and it's simple. You use today to make a plan to prepare. Now, one practical place to start is to make sure you have food in your home, to store some food in your home. I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. Now, you can too. So you'll be ready for earthquakes, hurricanes, long-term power outages, and so forth. And here's a great special that makes it simple if you act right now. Each person in your household should have a two-week emergency food supply from my Patriot Supply. Now, some of you, you're rolling your eyes, you don't care, what's the big deal? I'm telling you. Look around the world, and look what happens in this country when we have these devastating natural disasters and so forth. You really need to protect yourself. you got to eat. Now, these kits are only $75 right now, and they contain 92 servings of breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Take action. Call 800-294-2325, or go to my special website, that is, preparewithmark.com preparewithmark.com the food lasts up to 25 years in storage meals compact in a rugged slimline tote too only $75 rest tonight knowing you are prepared order your food kits at 800-294-2325 or go to preparewithmark.com that's 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com let us go to Jim in Los Angeles, California, the great 870 The Answer. Go. Hello, Mark. Hey, first I want to say I read your book, Ameritopia, and I loved it. And it gives me all the information I need to debate all these liberals in Los Angeles around here. Thank uh, you, what sir. What I want to say is, is this. By the way, that's a full-time job. Oh, my God. All my fr- You know what? I have friends overseas that chat with me. And it's amazing. I'm the only one defending Trump, and they are all repeating exactly what we hear on the left-wing media. And that tells me that's what they're hearing overseas. Yes, they're good parrots. My God. Anyway, what I wanted to say is I'm hoping that the Republicans regain or remain in control of of both houses so that Trump goes on deep offensive exposes everybody by name, and actually goes after them. I hope he does that and gets... uh, uh, It it is very, very important that we hold both houses. And let me tell you, if we lose both houses, we have a huge problem. If we lose the House, we have a huge problem, because we've talked about this. They will spend the entire time unleashing these vicious investigations about Trump's taxes, about his businesses... They'll be pulling family members. You'll see uh, an old Soviet-style Politburo operation or a modern-style red Chinese government operation, and we don't need that. That's how they operate, and I don't understand why decent Democrats don't see that and say something. 
I try to explain that. To well, there are Democrats in the country listening to this program who agree with us, but the leadership is completely whacked out. Let, let me ask you something, uh, Mark. These guys, the progressives, and what they do, they act in such an organized manner. Uh, who is that force behind this big machine? Well, there's a number of forces. You've got multiple billionaires. You have their political party. You have certain of their political leaders. I don't think there's one Svengali. I think there's many. United in, their, in the way that they, they do things. It's like they're organized. Well, they are. One guy comes up with a lie. They're, they're, they're good at organizing. They're, they're good at protesting. They're very good at that. I, in fact, I give them five stars for that. All right, Jim, thanks for your call, my friend. I want to go back to Debbie. Debbie, I'm sorry I forgot. Go ahead. Hey, I'm, I've been waiting and enjoying sorry. your show. Thank you. Um, you know what I realize? Maybe some of your listeners don't realize that the Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you had the... Uh, oh, yes. Uh, yes. I, it's... Wow. I, I went there uh, two, May, two Mays ago. Yeah, it is really... Uh, it is very upsetting, and uh, for people who don't really know what took place during the Holocaust, uh, when you leave that building, you won't miss it. That is, you won't I miss highly, what took place. Yes. I highly recommend that you take the time, your listeners, to put the earmuffs on and go station by station and find out what really happened. It's, so that was why I wanted to call. Um, it has been on my mind and my heart ever since last December, when I went through that, the very beginning, it's, uh, you wonder how uh, Hitler got those wonderful German people to hate the Jewish race. And when I got to that station with my headphones on, I looked around and listened. He put a radio in every household. To deliver his propaganda. Yeah, I had one station, pretty much. So, uh, all right, my friend. Thank you for reminding us. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's very compelling to go there and uh, see firsthand. Pretty much. I mean, obviously not firsthand back in history, but you can see the, well, you can see the actual photos, the actual films. You can see. Uh, the artifacts, it's, uh, it's very, very upsetting, but it's very important to see it. And I remember uh, the documentaries and reading that uh, when our troops uh, entered into a number of these, uh, these camps uh, and they were going to bulldoze them, and Eisenhower gave the order, no. No, you're not going to bulldoze them. The world needs to see this. The world needs to see this, and the world needs to remember it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pretty deep show, and I want to thank you for your attendance. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I will not be here tomorrow. I will not be back until, when is it, Rich? Wednesday? Wednesday? Larry O'Connor tomorrow, Dan Bongino on Tuesday, and I'll be back Have a wonderful holiday. God bless you. Be safe and keep your chin up. See you later.